Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On our first episode of Nerd Conversations, my guest is Mike Filipovich. Mike is a Pedorthist from Ottawa and one of our newly admitted foot nerds in the maiden February 2019 group of 26 people from around the world. Nerd Conversations is going to be our newest show that features foot nerds, what their backgrounds are, what made them gravitate to the program, and I think can make for some pretty interesting um, topics when we, when we chat with people from around the world. We talk on this episode with Mike, we talk about his schooling as a pedorthist, how he first came to find out about TFC and his initial impressions of it, and also what made him gravitate towards joining the Foot Nerd program. We had a great chat. He'll be back again on the podcast again in the coming months, uh, and I hope you enjoy our chat. This episode is sponsored by TFC Shop, your one-stop shop for natural footwear that lets your feet function optimally, for balance beams, and also for simple foot health accessories like toe spreaders and lacrosse balls that let you take back control over the health of your foundation. We ship products globally out of Ottawa, Canada, and you can check out what we offer by visiting tfc-shop.com. This episode is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our, t- our team at TFCHQ are big fans of coffee, and this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that, that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and gives you the story behind each of the craft roasters that they come from. Check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout for 7 bucks off your first month of any subscription, which start at 27 bucks a month all in, including shipping and taxes. So for $20, bucks, um, you can get a full month's worth of coffee, and, uh, and that just gives really good value. Last but not least, this episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear and equipment for seminars and workshops. They make super high-quality hard cases that keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick here. Uh, this is our first episode of a new show we're starting called Nerd Talk. And with uh, the Foot Nerd program underway and the first group uh, having started in February, when we go around and do seminars or, um, or kind of visit places where there's Foot Nerds located, we're going to try and do podcasts just to chat with all of them, get their take on the program, and just find out where they came from. Because a lot of these people that applied have very interesting stories of where they're coming from. Uh, my guest today is Mike Filipovich. So Mike is a pedorthist from Ottawa, Canada. Uh, it's kind of nice to have someone else in Ottawa. Um, most people are kind of scattered around the planet. So he's one of our first 26 foot nerds as part of the February 2019 group. And today we're just going to have a chat and uh, just kind of introduce him and get an idea of where he came from. He's a pedorthist, so getting an idea of what pedorthic school uh, looks like, what it prepared him, um, how it prepared him rather. And, you know, I'm just curious to see how his approach has changed. So anyway, thanks for coming, Mike. Thanks for um, having me. So why don't you start by just introducing yourself? I kind of did a bit of an intro, but um, yeah, give people an idea of, uh, who you are, what you've, uh, you know, what your background is. And then, uh, and then maybe the first thing we can delve into is just pedorthic school and, uh, and just get the ball rolling there. Sure. Uh, so my name is Mike Filipovic from London, Ontario, originally just moved up to Ottawa here last January for work. Cool. Um, I've always been, uh, passionate about strength and conditioning, performance side of things. Uh, I played a high level of soccer for a number of years, played abroad in Brazil and in Croatia. Cool. So you came from an ath- like a sports that's, that's, athletic background. Yeah, very cool. much so. Yeah, which has definitely influenced my my approach to my, my treatment. Cool. Um, so yeah, I got into pedorthic school 
Yeah. And how long is like, what's the, so you, um, you finish high, do you go in after doing an undergrad or do you go in um, right after high school? For pedorthics? Yeah. Uh, kinesiology undergrad. Okay. And then uh, one full calendar year of pedorthics program through Western Continuing Studies. Okay, cool. So kinesiology, four-year undergrad, yep. and then go into pedorthics. It's one year. Is it a full year or do full you get year. a summer? Full yeah, year. full year. Full year. So you're cool. doing uh, three courses online. Okay. Each semester, and then you're in placement for about thirty. I think it's requires thirty-two hours a week. Okay, uh, so it's an unpaid placement, so you can really bite the bullet that year. Uh, this is this <laughs> full is full time of, job, and then yeah, and it's, full course load on top of it. It's really one of these kind of bullshit things with the way school's done right now. You know, like in physio school, you do the same thing. You do five six week rotations. Um, and yes, I agree that the practical side of learning, you have to be in that environment and and kind of be interacting with patients in order to learn. And I'm not saying you should be paid what a physio gets paid to learn, but you shouldn't pay to make money for another company. Yeah. This is a very frustrating thing. So, and then, so it's 32 hours a week. And how many weeks are you doing that for? Uh, it's 12 weeks, 12 weeks for each semester. 12 weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So you do a placement and then at the end of that program, you leave, what, what is the uh, designation that you leave with? Certified pit. Well, you have to pass a board exam after. Okay. Um, so you get your certificate in pit orthics, and then cool. you have to apply to write the board exam. Cool. So there's uh, one written exam and then one practical. Awesome. If you pass both, you're certified. You start working right away as a pit orthist. Okay. So pretty similar, um, pretty similar to physio school where you have that kind of board board wide exam where they got to make sure everyone's on the same page and has a basic level of understanding. Yeah. Um, and what is what is pedorthic school look like? Like what is as as a cold notes, what are you learning? How is it being taught? Um, and also coming from an athletic background, like um, did you go into there with the mindset of, um, you know, just learning didactically? I'm going to learn what they teach. Or did you go in and like, did it resonate with you? Was there things that you didn't agree with? Um, just talk about the experience of going through what they taught and how it kind of resonated with you. Just make sure to speak a little bit louder too. Yep. Uh, the first semester was actually pretty intense. Uh, that's all your basic like anatomy, foot anatomy, okay. biomechanics, uh, an introduction to pathology. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, they build on orthotic theory, uh, the code of ethics, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, as well as tied in there, the business side of it. Um, and then there's the, the practical part is both within a lab setting where you're doing the manufacturing of the orthotics and then also in the clinical setting. So there's that. So you're trained both in manufacturing of orthotics. So, um, you have to know how to do that and how to do onsite modifications and all that afterwards. Um, and, but the, the clinical settings, what I really enjoyed the most, mm-hmm. I'm not a very hands-on guy. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, for the schooling, what, what, Right away, it's like I, I everything that they were teaching, I was, I was picking up. That was fine, right? Yep. Didn't really question it. You're in school. This yep. is they, for sure. Yeah. Uh, when I got out of it and was working as the clinician, and uh, I just started to see, like, there, there, there's more to it. I could yep. be doing more here, you know? Well, you said something like we had a little conversation downstairs before, and you're, you're kind of like, you know, like we look below the knee and below the knee is our scope of practice. And That's if right. you only look below the knee, you miss out on a lot of important, um, important bits, yeah. <laughs> you know, the things that connect to the knee upstream. That's right. And I think, uh, I think, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people, well, even just talk about what were your first impressions? How did you first find out about the foot collective and what were your first impressions? Okay. <laughs> 
So for collective, the way I found out about it, one of my buddies sent me um, one of your posts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, check these guys out, man. They're shitting all over orthotics. <laughs> he, he was also put orthos too. Yeah. So another one of my foot buddies. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, check these guys out. And I'm like, yeah, man, what, what are these guys talking about? They're like shitting on orthotics. This is what I do for a living. And I was all yeah. kind of apprehensive towards the full collective. Yeah. Uh, but then I started to realize like, hey, you know what? Like this makes sense. And uh, I, was, I was open-minded about it. Cool. I started to fall. That's the key. Yeah. Because if you go straight tribal and you're like, these are my enemies, they're yeah. talking shit about. And like, I, I get it, you know, and I think I've really, I have to reshape how TFC comes off in the posts that we do to make it less less confrontational and less absolutist right it's just it's, trying to get the conversation going like maybe there's more maybe there's a better way to treat all these foot dysfunctions and and we just have to all we're all disco- i always tell you we're all discovering the truth together i don't mm-hmm. care if you're on if you're a podorthist or if you're a physician or if you're a physio we're all just trying to get people better and if we agree yeah. on that common ground we automatically are aligned in terms of our interest um, and if you're not aligned with getting people better then i don't really need to have a conversation with you anyway yeah right um, yeah, you know what? It's a good thing you guys did the podcast, uh, because that was, that's, that's what clarified a lot of stuff for me. Okay, good. Um, what, just like the brief tidbits on Instagram. Yeah. yeah that could be like, could be controversial. There's a lot of room yeah. for interpretation. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but then when you guys started doing the podcast and like really clarifying your point of view, I'm like, look, I, I agree with a lot of the things these guys are saying. Like yeah. these guys are onto something and, uh, that's why I'm here now. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. That's so, why I want to be part of it. It's like these, cool. this and is, then- uh, this is definitely our our philosophies on treatment are, are very much aligned so it's yeah. and i always tell people it's okay to disagree right it's okay to disagree on certain things i think when you really have an honest conversation and are open to hearing the other person's point of view what you find is you agree on way more than you disagree on um and and if you can figure out what those points of disagreement are and why it's okay to have differing opinions it doesn't make you enemies it just means you have different opinions right yeah like i have people that i'm very good friends with and i disagree with them on certain things that are you know oftentimes not foot related but just outlooks on life or perspective on you know materialism or how to live and stuff like that which is okay i'm still really good friends with them um we just kind of jab at each other once in a while the differing opinions but that's all good um you know, but hearing the other person's perspective, even if it doesn't resonate with you or even if you disagree with it, I think it's important to at least listen and be like, OK, I see their point of view and why they believe in that. Maybe I should rethink the way I think about things. I'm not just going to agree with it right away, but I'm not going to dismiss it right yep. away and yep. just be like, how does this fit into the way I think of it? And what about that? Oh, that part makes sense. I'm going to incorporate that part into my outlook. But this stuff I don't really agree with. That's that's exactly what happened. And like, that's fine. When when I read the post, instead of being like, okay, I'm not going to check these guys out anymore. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't I don't agree with this, but I'm going to follow along and I can listen to like what their point of view is, what their cool. arguments are against orthotics, and then uh, <laughs> your arguments just kind of started to outweigh what I what I learned in school, really. Cool. Um, and then I just followed along and I was like, yeah, this is this is a way I want to I want to practice. I think this is cool. the best way to go about it. So, yeah, and I mean, I I think there's so many there's so and, many and, it's, and it's been success, successful too that's like, the important yeah, part it works right? it works because here's the thing if you're open-minded to trying it and you try this stuff you know whether it's the stuff we're preaching or just different stuff from what you're doing and you're like oh, this doesn't work this is, this is i'm not going to do it this way then that's you've done your due diligence to at least try things and, and i tried it on myself first exactly. so to go barefoot okay when i was in uh, placement before i always wore like a typical oxford style dress shoe mm-hmm. clark's big heel four foot rocker first thing i did i ditched that and i started going barefoot around the clinic more well i started to realize like okay when i go to the gym now 
I feel better squatting. Don't have to warm up as as much. Interesting. Uh, like like you said, kind of low hanging fruit. All of a sudden, I'm exposing my ankle to end range dorsiflexion. Yeah. With every step I take, rather than exactly. having to spend so much time warming up in that hour I get at the gym after work. <laughs> so I was like, I okay, to do that so much too. I looked at the. I used to look at the amount of mobility work, the mobility shit I used to do just to be able to lift optimally. Yeah. I was like, God damn, that was so much time I was spending just offsetting restrictions that developed from not just trying to get to the bottom of why these things are there mm-hmm. and i think a big perspective shift for me was that our bodies want to work correctly we just have to let them we have to get out of their way and take away the stuff that's stopping us from working optimally because that was a huge moment like i what you just said in terms of like your journey through pedorthic school and and how your perspective might have changed after the fact when you actually work with the real people i went through the same thing with physio school because what you learn in physio school is squat or no that's a bad way of doing it because you don't actually learn about the squat but you don't learn you learn the anatomy and the anatomy is important you learn um how to vet through information like what's good information what's bad how to actually critically evaluate something to determine whether it's good or bad and not just listen to it because some person with a fancy letters beside their name said it but you don't learn how to be an effective clinician and i always tell people the biggest benefit i got from physio school was having a body that didn't know how to move and was stiff as shit everywhere from six years of sitting so that I could actually start learning by working on my own body. Yep. Um, and so so you graduate Pedrosi School, you start to practice, and what were your initial impressions? Like, where did you practice? And what were your initial impressions of just, like, how you were helping people? Did you change things? How much of what you learned in school did you use? What did you gravitate to? Um, how did that kind of journey go? So, like, it was rewarding, right? Like, uh, orthotics, if, if people are coming in in pain um, and you provide them with a pair of orthotics, usually it gets them out of pain. Yeah. But, but for how long, right? Yeah. And then they're coming back. Oh, I know it's time. What, what brings you in here today? I ask them my history. Well, I started running again. I can feel my orthotics are going, so I know it's time for a new pair, right? Mm-hmm. Without looking at anything else. Um, my, but you're helping people. Yeah, you, and, you think you are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but there's just there's just more to it, right? Yeah. There there's a lot more to it. Um, for example, like I remember e- even in our schooling when we learn about specific like pathomechanics or or mobility restrictions, there's like a, they don't tell you how to go about it. How, how do I improve someone's ankle dorsiflexion? Yeah, if they don't have forty degrees of ankle dorsiflexion, there's an issue. Here are some compensations you might see. How do you treat it though? Yeah. Well, then they're like refer to physio well yeah. that that can be a black hole on itself right dude so refer to someone refer to someone to physio with tight angles <laughs> you will never see that person again and when yeah. you do they will have just as tight of an angle yeah, but likely. then but then they're never addressing like okay footwear footwear education yeah like not in that sense about like heel heights instead mm. like they're talking about supportive footwear a6k and all that kind of stuff yeah right so um just with yeah like being being open-minded seeing what you guys were doing i listened to kelly starrett a lot too yeah uh who is he's a beast he's he's a man yeah i was supposed to do a podcast with him uh when i was on the trip to san francisco but with last minute um conflict we it didn't end up working out but i want to get at him at some point i i really tried to spend a lot of time getting i don't just want to have uh, like i don't just want to do a podcast with him for the sake of doing podcasts i want to actually ask him questions that make him think and like answer questions that i still have in my brain that i'm like i don't know like for example why are all the major footwear manufacturers not going down this path that can be so lucrative in terms of revenue they just what is making them not see the fact that they can make the most advanced shoes in the world that take advantage of the foot's natural machinery and differentiate themselves from all the other brands because this is going to happen at it's going to need to happen at some point 
you know, like it's it's going to change. People it, are becoming better informed. Yep, yeah, yeah. You may it's, as well be a it's leader. It's not just a hippie movement anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and it started off as that. It started off with that as that with me too. Yeah. I was like, what is barefoot nonsense? Like people going barefoot. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna wear these Nike shocks because they look badass. Yeah. And then you know, like I literally fashion, fashion <laughs> over function for sure. And like my whole life was defined by that basically until I started. You know, I, I when I was 15, I literally got a job at a shoe store. Because I wanted Nike shocks and I couldn't afford them. But if I worked at the store, discount. I could make money and I got a discount. <laughs> yeah. So In it for the discount. In it for the discount, baby. That's that's a smart way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, as my perspective shifted and I, I started to basically came to the realization, I looked down at my own feet. I was like, my feet are messed up. I know what I now know what feet should be able to do. Mine are doing nowhere near that. Whether it's from a combination of injuries, uh, from playing rugby, volleyball, ankle sprains spending way too much time in really shitty submarine looking shoes um and then i was like okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna commit to myself that i'm gonna deal with this shit i started doing the stuff i learned in physio school and none of it worked yeah. it worked temporarily i had to do it every single day i had to do calf tissue work every day ankle mobilizations whatever and then i was just like maybe the shoes i'm wearing are doing something because the heel is higher than the forefoot my ankle doesn't go into dorsiflexion i'm spending all day in slight plantar flexion what if I get rid of the heel lift? Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, I just accomplished way more after a week of going to flat shoes than I did in four months of mobilizing my ankle every freaking week. Yeah. There's something there. And then, so it's really, you know, the simple stuff can be so powerful. And when you yeah. realize how simple it is and that it's pretty much education based, that's stuff you can teach very easily. And it's, and I think you made a good point. We're trying to make people independent. Right. Like what, what is your intention when someone comes in and they're like, I got plantar fasciitis, my doc prescribed orthotics. What can you do for me? And how has your perspective shifted to what you do now versus what you did, for example, a year ago? Yeah. Before it was pretty much just like orthotic intervention for treatment. Um, Which helps with pain. Yep. Basic like plantar fascia stretching. Um, I would provide like a strength, strengthening program. Not that I learned in school. That yeah. was all kind of self-taught. That's what I was going to say. Is that, yeah, no, exactly. No, not self, That's all you. self-taught. Just like hmm. some calf raises, time under tension type stuff. Yep. Um, and then it's just kind of evolved like, okay, now I'm taking much more of like a, a movement-based approach. Well, let, let's see how you're moving. Let's squat test, stuff like that to see mm-hmm. how, what, what movement patterns you could be doing poorly, which are contributing to your plantar fasciitis that seems to be coming back once every year when you start to wear out your orthotics yeah. a little bit. <laughs> Conveniently, right? it comes every year. Yeah. So uh, I've started to take influence by like by you guys and Kelly Starrett, which was referenced before, is take a much more movement-based approach to my to my treatment plan. Cool. Um, and probably of, more holistic too, like looking up at the time. hip. Yeah. Like that was the other thing about pedorthic school is like our, our scope of practice is pretty much a f- the foot and the lower leg, lower leg up to the knee, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's it. So if you look at the body as like a snapshot of that, sure, orthotic intervention makes sense. But if you look at it as more integrated and holistic approach, bring the hips into it, which are a huge player, which people don't realize. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you can really eliminate the need for orthotics, which are, I think, are heavily over prescribed and over relied yeah. upon currently. Exactly. And I think that's the key way of wording it. They're over relied upon. Yeah. I'm not like, I have never there's, been. There's, yeah. There's still definitely time and a place. place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think we have to use them smarter and look is a really expensive custom pair. Taking into account the fact the foot changes. And if you're doing the right stuff, your foot's going to change fairly quickly. The body is very, very adaptable in a very short period of time. I don't care what kind of gnarly feet you've got or how old you are. Your you know, body can change. Your body can change and it will change if yeah. you expose it to the right stuff. 
So is it a value to spend a lot of money on this custom orthotic based on the snapshot of what your foot looks like right now when it could look different in two weeks? Like, is it a good investment? If you need something to, to, to kind of help with the pain, which I'm, I never, t- obviously if people are like, this feels good, this feels bad. I'm not gonna tell them to do that this feels bad unless it's, you know, unless there's way more to it. Um, but, you know, if an orthotic gives you pain relief, well, can an orthotic that costs way less do the same job in the short term, knowing that this isn't going to be a long-term solution. Yeah. Um, and it's I, just the coverage, right? If people yeah. are covered for it, they'll come in for a truly custom one over uh, something yeah. off the shelf, which, which I get. If I was covered for it, I'd want something that's truly custom for my foot yep. rather than something prefabricated. But yep. And it's all context. It's like people knew... But, it sh- but either way, it should still be used as a, as a tool, not a solution. Yes. Right? Yeah. Paul as- Thompson, barefoot podiatrist very powerful statement a tool not a solution that's right and i think that's a perspective shift in, in that's how right. you just pers- to reference that guy was another big influence for me as well too Sweet. yeah man really i like did a podcast work. with him he is uh we didn't talk about all of it on the podcast but the amount of shit that, that guy takes from the from that community and even like literally he said the, the guy that owned the company that the biggest company that made orthotics called him personally and was like what are you doing dude like people want these people need these (laughs) and he's like do they do they really he's like people don't want and here's what the guy said this is the funniest part people don't want to put in the work to solve the problem so they need orthotics i was like so is that the case or is it that they haven't been explained well enough why they should be interested in putting in the work you know we have to we can't just give people what they want because we have to we just we have to help people understand what they need you're not there to be their friend or to be convenient for them you're there to help them which oftentimes can come at a conflict to the other two things. Yeah, that's so. that's the thing. It's like even when I see people in in, uh, in clinic now, it's like, how much time do you want to invest in your body? Yeah, right. Like I always s- start with that. Some s- some like I wish everyone got fired up to go into the gym and yeah. and put in the work that that we do, like squats, kettle, swing a kettlebell, whatever. Yeah. Right, lots of single leg work, but some people don't have time for it yeah. or, or don't want to make time for it. Um, and other people are just happy just relying upon their orthotic because it's doing the work for them. They it's think too so. damn convenient to be lazy and not, they want the magical pill. Yeah, I know. So. But, but, it but can... anyways, but, but yeah, I'll still educate them in clinic. So yeah. at least I'm providing them with the information. What yes. you choose to do with that is ultimately up to you. Yep, you, sure. can, you can lead a horse to the water. You can't make a drink. Yeah, right. I agree. And I think, I think, uh, I completely agree with that. What I do think is that what if you, told the horse how valuable it would be if he drank and and the long-term benefits that can come from some short-term work i just think we don't i never i know this because i i used to do this exact same shit when in clinic i would really i would i know what this person needs long term they need to um spend less time in chairs more time moving and just take more ownership for their health and i knew that but I, I kind of fluffed it off the same way where it's like, yeah, but this person's not going to put in the time. They, I can't even get them to do five minutes a day. They're not going to buy into this clearly. Um, you know, and a lot of people say, well, I don't have the time. It's like, well, do you know, how much time do you spend watching Game of Thrones? Because you have time to watch that. Yeah. You don't have time to invest you can, you can in your joint health. an hour of 90-90. Yeah, <laughs> like, really, you, you have time to watch two hours of TV, but you don't have 10 minutes to make sure you can walk when you're 70. Like, let's realign these these priorities. But I think a lot of people just weren't explained it in a way that they're like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's manageable. Oh, this small change can give me this huge benefit. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Um, and so it, just getting better at motivating people, right? We shouldn't have to be motivators. But I think the whole medical system does a really good job at providing these convenient band-aids that are so convenient that people are like, well, why don't? Why would I take the more difficult route? 
Yeah. And they're just not explained that on the back end, the convenient route is not sustainable. And I That's think like key. pain is off is usually the biggest motivator, right? People will mm-hmm. come in when they're already in pain, they're already kind of broken down and yep. then they want to help. So if I see someone in clinic, for example, who's just in there for their yearly orthotic, they come in, they're not really in pain right now. And I do a movement screen and I can tell they're moving like shit. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, you should do this stuff to be more proactive instead of uh, reactive, right? Yeah. Those people are like, okay, well, I'm not in pain. Why am I going to do this, right? <laughs> it's it's hard for them to realize until they're already broken down, then they'll be more receptive. So yeah. it's hard. It's, it's maybe I have to do more on my part to make them buy in, uh, but I'm trying. Well, it's a mixture of both. And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's some it's people like just per- don't want to listen. It's a perpetual experience of learning, right? Like, yeah. like being a master at helping others is a, is there is no endpoint right you can always be better like i always tell people every conversation i have is a small experiment i see how i explain things i see what that person's reaction was how much they bought into it and then i review how i worded it and say how can i make this better so that the next person i talk to i have to say less stuff and they can understand it better and be more motivated to try it mm-hmm. and i think one because it does get frustrating like i started getting really frustrated as a like in in practice when i was like there's so much potential to, to get better at helping people, but I'm not, I keep running into this wall of people not wanting to do this stuff. And it's, it's like, why? Why? I, I want to help you. I'm on your team. Why yeah. don't you just want to try this? And what I realized is that the people that all you need to get is that initial buy-in. If you can, if you can get them to commit to a daily habit for a month and you can give them such powerful stuff that they feel an unequivocal benefit where they're like, I feel way better. I don't have pain. You know, I can do this sport. I can go for a run and not feel like my knees are on fire. That's all the motivation they need because from then on, you don't have to push them. They're already going in the right direction and they feed off of that. And all you have to do is keep giving them the the um, the progressions to, to kind of keep improving yep. and also dangle a carrot, right? Like I think there's something to be said about, okay, someone does task X. They can't do it right now because it's painful. You get them to be able to do it where it's pain-free. There's something to be said with saying, do you want to do this? This is way more advanced. This wasn't even on your radar before, but if you want to do this, you can. Yeah. You couldn't do this before. Now you can. What about this? And then they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I really want to do that. I didn't know I could. Yeah. I didn't know that was on my realm of competency. So I think there's there's something to be said about just be, you're partially, um, whether it's a pedorth, whether it's yourself, whether it's a physio or a doctor, and doctors should be included in this, you're really just a motivator for behavior change. Yeah. Right? You have to know the right behaviors that need to be changed. But you just there's definitely an element of having to to motivate people, unfortunately. Um, But and and talk about the business model. So what is the I know the business model is status quo and physio and how we do it at Optimize at the clinic. What is the business model in uh, the world of pedorthics and, and how do you see where it is now and where it has the potential to go based on what you know is effective? Okay, so I've only ever worked for someone else right now. Um, so I, I get paid hourly. Uh, I know other clinicians that when they do like some freelance work, like if I were to go, let's say do another multidisciplinary approach or uh, setting, sorry, and I would kind of do a split with them, for example, okay, look, if you guys need a pedorthist, just put some book them on these days, I'll come in, we'll split it 50, 50, 60, 40, gotcha. whatever. In terms of revenue do. generated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a lot of people do that. Um, but like I said, for me, I've only been under one clinic, so I get paid hourly. That's okay. the way I've been doing it. Um, is it privately owned or big chain? Uh, privately owned. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How many locations do they have? Uh, 
I think seven now. Okay. Yeah. So it's a pretty big company. Pretty big. Yeah. Pretty is that big. across Ontario or is that across just... Ontario? Okay. Yeah. So, so that's why you're whipping around. But, well, so. yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to do it even more. So when I was based out of London, um, you, you get your, there's only two clinics in London and there's like Sarnia, Aurelia, mm-hmm. Kingston. Uh, I was a young guy, no strings attached, fresh out of school. So I got sent on the road the most yep. coming up to Ottawa. There's three clinics up here and then I'm the only clinician at them. So that's what really appealed to me too. Interesting. You're not chasing someone else's work too. So what, what also kind of sucked about that before was, um, someone else could be doing the assessment, but then I'm doing the dispensing of the orthotic. Gotcha. So if there's an issue in the dispensing, but I didn't do the assessment, yeah. well, I don't know what this guy was thinking when, when he did this, right? Exactly. So I also like the idea of that, that I'm not chasing someone else's work. Easier to build a rapport with patients when sure. I'm doing the assessment. And more control over the whole experience too. Big time, yeah. To give them different stuff. or, or I think it's a... I ran into that problem a lot. Whenever I covered a mat leave, um, like before we started Optimize, I came back from London after doing the sports fellowship and I would pick up a couple mat leaves, just short-term work. You get paid fairly well because you're just convenient, right? You can do contract work. And what I found was that like, okay, this person's been seeing this physio for six months, twice a week. So the first thing I look at is like, oh shit, that's a long time. Yep. So this person, must be, money. <laughs> yeah, this person must be really messed up. And then I look at the charts. I'm like, this isn't what should be being done with this person. This is, this is crazy. And then you, you give the person advice and then they're like, well, I was just told to do this by this person. It's like, shit, now I'm just confusing the, the patient. So... Yeah. You're right. Being able to be there from ground zero from the very start is so powerful because you develop, you have this relationship that's in development with someone and you're, you're essentially trying to gain their trust to the fact that you know what you're talking about. I always tell people like the first appointments you do as a health professional really should be an interview where that patient's interviewing you to determine whether or not you actually know your shit and they should listen to you. Yep. And it's a very delicate thing because if you, if you come across in the wrong way, um, like dealing with other humans is a very complex thing and and especially i think people are in pain typically they have a problem right they're coming right. To, to you to find a solution and i think sometimes if you give them a solution that's so different from what their their whole concept of, of what they think the solution is it can sometimes push them away a little bit so it's how do you find out how to kind of resonate with them and find points of agreement so that they're like okay okay i kind of okay i believe with what you're saying i, I understand why we're doing it and i think the why is an important one because not people go in, they get told what to do. I go in with shoulder pain. I come out being told to do this, this, and this. But they don't come out understanding why no, they need to do this, this, and this, and what actually created the problem. It's yeah. so, it's so crazy. So if you can explain why, then you'll you'll definitely get them to buy in. Exactly, and they have to understand it, right? It's like we have to get away from this weird thing where we fix people. We don't fix people. We help them understand how to fix themselves. And I think that that alone is a paradigm shift in how you approach treatment. Yep. So it's all of a sudden treatment is education. I, I always give people like what you what you reference like low hanging fruit yeah. little things easy that changes. yeah easy changes that compound into massive improvements right like even something as simple as lacrosse ball on your foot twice a day yeah stack it with another habit like what I remember in the seminar you said you ha- you had a lady doing it while she brushed her teeth yeah you brush your teeth twice a day roll lacrosse ball on your foot twice a day yeah you don't have to remember an extra thing yeah when you, you just couple it with something you already when, do. you, when you're standing at the kitchen sink doing your dishes or cooking stand on one leg take one leg away right just just little things netflix and 9090 <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> other one make that like a legit yeah. viral meme yeah because that's powerful yeah well 9090 i think is is like just getting people to sit in that position is yeah. will light people up and uh when i get people doing that in clinic it's like it looks so simple but they realize how how good they feel after just sitting in that position for like a, a minute yeah and then that's that's an easy one it can really get people on 
They have to prove it to themselves. They have to prove it to themselves. It doesn't matter what you say or how convincing you are. They have to, you know, your level of convincingness just gets them to try it. Yep. They have to prove it to themselves and see the results firsthand. They, yeah, they, they see it. and they see like, or if they see how bad they are at it, they're like, okay, this That's is something I should be able to do. That's why I love the right? beam. You get yeah. on the beam and you're like, you should be able to do this. You make yeah. it look easy, like you're like relaxed, like yeah. you're, you could be. And, it, and, and it's fun too. It's play. Yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. Could too. be could be a fun drinking game too. <laughs> right, dude. I bust beams out at parties and like everyone's a bit apprehensive at the start. One person goes on it, everyone's on it. And then before you know it, some sketchy shit's happening. And you're like, okay, guys, let's settle down. You're not ready, my brother. Is notorious for this. He tries to bust out, three, jump 360s on a beam after a couple of beers. And I'm like, oh, I don't want this to be a bad thing and hurt you. But somehow he crushes them. I don't, I don't get it. So, so going from that where, uh, you know, you said that you were sometimes picking up someone else's caseload. How do you treat now? And also, I'm very curious to get your perspective on, okay, let's use a common case example. Someone comes in and they have, what's the most common thing you, you people come in with? Plantar fasciitis? Uh, knee pain, I would say. Knee pain? Yeah, a lot of knee pain. Interesting. Um, and then again, so I, I had one the other day and, uh, she's, she's on the right track. She, she was, she's overweight. She was trying to get herself healthy. She started exercising and only then did she get knee pain, right? Mm-hmm. Creating so, a health problem, trying to be fit. Yeah. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she goes to Greco. So that's another thing okay. <laughs> yeah another big surprise right big yeah. shocker i guess if you're not in ottawa you wouldn't get that reference yeah. but <laughs> and in all fairness we don't we don't not like you greco we just think that the whole fitness industry needs to change you're actually doing a pretty good job but we need to we need to all speak the same language to get on the same page yeah so i'm like okay well what movements bug you when uh, when you're trying to exercise you go squatting lunging well let's mm-hmm. see you squat and she looked at me like I had just said the most offensive thing in the world to her, like as an alien or something. Really? She's like, I've never been asked to do that. Before. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, before they just kept building up the border on her orthotic, yeah. like a wedge, and uh, no clinician had ever asked her to squat before. I'm like, wow, well, that, that that's, alone that's, is that's, that's crazy, right? That is crazy. Like the one movement pattern that's causing you pain and no one's actually ever asked you to, to squat in clinic. And in all fairness, did podorthics, did the podorthics program ever tell you to assess people's squat or what to look for in a squat? Uh, they told us for uh, an assessment that the squat can be a powerful tool to look at to assess ankle dorsiflexion mm-hmm. uh, and knee flexion. That's about it. No, exactly, right? Uh, but, but at least they said that. Physios sure. didn't even talk yeah. about the squat. It's but, crazy. But then they'd be like, okay, well, how do you improve the ankle dorsiflexion? Well, they, they don't tell you any of that. Refer to physio or, or yeah. again, or accommodate, put a heel lift. Yeah. Like little things like that. Um, so you ask her to squat and she looks at you weird and and then you and then you watch her squat like okay no wonder why your knee hurts right yeah Yeah, (laughs) this makes sense so it just and and it wasn't like gray cook always for software versus hardware pattern yeah her ankle mobility was okay it was just more so the the software thing and just getting her to actually like to use her hips open up her hips drive your knees out when you squat yeah your foot like explain that the position of your foot shouldn't change from the top of your squat to the bottom try and hold that yeah and i just R&T work is, is pretty powerful for, for software issues. So I just had like a little band, put it on her knees, like try and rip this band with your knees kind of thing. And just So to those that don't know R&T, give it like uh, reactive neuromuscular training. Neuromuscular training. Yeah. So, so when she would squat, her knees would dip right in, into valgus. So essentially the band around her knees are going to pull her more into valgus. So she has to fight to, to, to cue to overcorrect that. Cool. Um, and so it's triggered. That's an interesting concept. And I, I, once I realized how powerful it could be, I started to use it more, but essentially if someone's making a fault feed into the fault and it triggers the brain to fight out of it. And it's like almost 
forcing your brain to get a cue to to do what you want it to do. Yeah. Because yeah. saying drive your knees out half the time, people are like, right. they don't know how to convert language into a movement action. But the body speaks touch and positioning. And if you do something with the positioning or force it somewhere, it will react. So, yeah. So cool. I had to do some squatting, uh, split squatting as well. So some yeah. single leg work and cleaned up quite a bit. Cool. Um, so 90-90, again, gave her some homework. Yep. 90-90 stuff, hammer good squat patterns. Um, I said, okay, next time you go to your workout class, like at Greco, you might have to slow down the pace a little bit. Yep. Don't worry about your reps, but just hammer good movement patterns. And after, like, protect, correct, develop, right? Correct your movement pattern, and then you can kind of develop all that volume yep. and load on top of that see, after. See, and, like, what you did there is so... This is what... And, and on this pair of orthotics, yep. ditch the heel, the, the wedge. There you go. Don't need it. Oh, yeah. that's so huge. See, yeah. that is... You know, like, we talked about this before. Like, an effective massage therapist, an effective physiotherapist, an effective podorthist, I would argue, should all do the same stuff. Should all be... You know, patient X comes in, they should all um, assess movement in the same way, in a very objective way, just like all people that make eyeglasses all do an eye chart. It's the same eye chart. I don't care if you're 80 or if you're 10, you do the same eye chart, right? We've got to get an objective standard of how good are your eyes or how shitty are your eyes. Do an objective movement screen. I don't care what health professional it is. Do an objective movement screen. And then, sure, you might get, and we all have the same goal, right? We want, okay, this lady can't squat. We've got to get her to be able to squat because... That shows that she has hardware in, right. in all these important areas. It shows that her brain knows how to move. Yeah. Ankles, knees, hips. Yeah. yeah. And how you get to that point of getting that lady to squat might be very different than how I get there. But we both know where we start, Have can agree on the fact that, okay, th- th- this is a good primary goal. And this is where we want to get this lady to. And I think there's just a lack of fluency in everyone speaking this common language where... Yeah, like 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 <laughs> like for prothesis, for example, our scope of practice is foot and lower leg. That's it. That's so physios. Like you guys mentioned, you guys don't really do much on the foot, so everything down to the foot. So there's that disconnect. Exactly. So Gary Ward talks about that. And it's like if your scope of practice is knee and below, I don't know if you can be effective long term. If your scope of practice doesn't include the foot, I don't know if you can be effective long term unless you're only treating people that sit and cannot move on their feet. I just sorry, I just started reading his book. Uh, what the foot what the foot it's yeah heavy. It's, it, it it's, took <laughs> it well it took forever to come in yeah <laughs> it oh took yeah like it's four months order it. yeah. yeah yeah gary you got to make that thing available on yeah. amazon.com dude if you're not on amazon you're selling a book you're missing out on a lot yeah. of potential I, um, I ordered it at christmas time really yeah wow what yeah. do you think of it so far uh, i literally just read like the first intro part i'm just getting into the good stuff right now yeah. but he's he's i'm excited i'm excited to yeah. dive into it yeah i've so this is still i have so many good books that i'm trying to read right now i think i just need to like prioritize which ones i actually need to read i'm um, the same way i went on like a, i accidentally signed up for amazon prime membership <laughs> it's like just one click accidentally oh you're now a prime member so i'm like okay well i've been trying to i've been eyeing up these books for a while so i'm going to take full advantage of this free shipping yeah. so i bought a ton then all, all you, yeah then you have a library and you're like knock them down one there, by right? one yeah, yeah yeah so i think um so i read through i went through the whole thing once tried to kind of make sense of it in my brain because a lot some of the stuff really like rocked me i was like this is very incongruent with how i see this system and it's not that i'm wrong or he's right or he's wrong and i'm right it's like how does this all fit together and i think one of the things is like i'm trying to piece through different parts and trying like i think a lot of what he says i think that the concept of center you're probably not there yet but the concept of center really makes a lot of sense where um for example the ankle 
if you spend all day on a shoe with a heel lift, your brain essentially interprets that center, the centered position where you should have a certain amount of range on one side and on the other side of that center position is in plantar flexion. And so you're naturally going to then have more space created on one side and less space created on the other. And the one that has less space is dorsiflexion because your your new your body is essentially gauged what neutral or center, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is in plantar flexion. And so that concept really, really resonated with me and just basically reinforced the fact that we have to let our bodies be exposed to an actual true center, right? The foot being flat is what we should acknowledge as our true center and give it the opportunity to explore both sides of that range of motion. Because if you have a, a higher heel than forefoot in a shoe, you're not actually being allowed to explore dorsiflexion. You really aren't, which is why going to a flat shoe is the most powerful way to improve your ankle mobility. Yeah, every step you take. Every, every step you take yeah. is you're mobilizing your ankle. So yeah. yeah, that's very interesting. So how, so you kind of go through your, your treatment ha- approach has changed. What do you think, so in a utopia, I, I kind of, maybe these things aren't always realistic, but I think it's important to know what is the most ideal situation and then how do we get close to that? What is the ideal way that you uh, would treat? Like how many people would you see per day? Um, you know, how much time would you have with them? What kind of follow-up? And obviously it's different for everyone, but at the same time, I think there is this, I have a clear vision of what that utopia is in the world of physio, but really it should be very similar for everyone. What does that look like for you? And also what is your ideal life as a podorthist? Like what, what would your best life be? Yeah. Um, so for our original business model with the company I was working with, we were extremely busy. We had that shoe incentive us mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. So we had people coming in every half hour. So I, that's if people get orthotics, maybe they get a heavily discounted shoe. Starting at like 20 bucks. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, when that was a business model again people in every half hour so i had to do an assessment like 20 bucks or 20 minutes sorry yeah uh do my paperwork after and get ready for the next person that's so crazy that's so stressful it was yeah and it was just like assembly line yeah um that's what it felt like Uh person sees me goes to the next room does their footwear selection um usually into like some supportive footwear (laughs) so they're going in there to use their orthotics coverage to get free shoes a lot of them were yeah yeah so uh, again, it's pretty hard to do a thorough assessment in 20, 25 minutes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people there too are just like, okay, buddy, I don't really care what you have to say. Yeah. Cast my foot. I'm here for my footwear. Yeah. Let me go. People so, react to incentives. It's just, if you make an incentive structure, people will react to it, whether that's in a way that you intended or is good or not. Yeah. Yeah. So not everyone was like that, yeah. um, but you, you get quite a bit of that. Yeah. So since our business model changed and we don't have the shoe incentive program anymore, we slowed down business slowed down quite a bit as you might imagine so now we're only getting like three or four assessments a day but now i can spend like as as much time as i need so we we don't we schedule at least an hour Mm -hmm. um also now too with like so you do you do the assessment we we uh make the orthotics back in a lab in london so by the Mm -hmm. time they get back to Ottawa, it's about two week turnover um so at the dispensing dispensings would only be like 15 minutes to just kind of fit the orthotic to your the feet trim it to the footwear and then there you go so now because also i don't have that restraint anymore i always treat every dispensing as a follow-up too so every assessment i give them some homework look Mm -hmm. over the next two weeks hammer these things okay hammer your work on your feet lacrosse play your feet twice a day every day two weeks okay like minimum dose response um practice squat mechanics load your ankles like i I think the squat pattern is everyone should be able to do it yeah um and almost everyone has lost the ability to do it it it, it tells you yeah it's good bang for your buck it's Mm -hmm. working your hips your ankles 
Um, so I usually like make sure they're, they have a good squat pattern first before they leave the clinic. And then next couple of weeks do this. How often? A thousand reps by yeah. a thousand sets, as whatever. As you <laughs> need to. Exactly. Obsess yeah. over it. Just, yeah, just yeah. do it every day kind of thing. The 90, 90 stuff. Uh, anyway, so I'll always give them some kind of joint hygiene work to take home. Cool. Practice this stuff the next two weeks because I'm going to, I'm going to test you again. Yeah. When they know they're being tested, they do their shit. That's important. No, no actually, yeah, and I and I do. I'm like, I'm I'm gonna test you on this, so nice. make sure you do it. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's an important thing to mention. Yeah, so it, it it is better now because the people, like I said, the people who are coming in are people who are in pain or are going to be a lot more receptive to what you have to say. Yeah, uh, people who are probably going to be willing to put in the work to help change their body. Um, so it, it's a lot better now than what it used to be. If, cool. it, if it was the same approach that it was before and, and not all pedorthics clinics are like this, by the way, this was, I better say that this is just who I was working for yep. a job right out of school. So I went with it quickly realized it's not what I signed up for. It's not what I want to do. There's, there's a lot more to it than, than what I'm doing. So cool. Yeah. I think, I think the hour, an hour is a good chunk of time. I think we've gravitated towards the hour assessment in clinic as well with 40 minute follow-ups. And I think, um, you know, you have to, I think charging per time unit is a very open, honest and transparent way of doing healthcare. So the other thing too, I'll just preface with the, uh, with the orthotics. So a lot of people aren't covered for a pedorthic assessment. Okay. They're covered just for an actual medical device. So if I don't dispense an orthotic, then they're not getting paid for the assessment Crazy. time. Right. So I, th- I, th- that's the other thing too, is like, how do you make money off getting people out of orthotics yeah right <laughs> it's hard to make money getting people healthy yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah silly. yeah so I, th- yeah. Th- that's the thing so people are like well if you if you pay out of pocket for the assessment or you can be covered 100 percent by insurance for the orthotics so yeah. and i think there's a lot of like that that has to change too that has to change yeah. and i think long term with tfc as the resources grow as the team gets bigger and we can afford to, to put resources towards these things there there needs to be <clears throat> a team of people you know, there needs to be a physician on there. There needs to be a podorthist and there probably needs to be a physio and then someone that is just a good communicator. And I think this team, this is, let's call it the special forces of, of health, um, needs to go to insurance companies. And essentially, you know, the term lobby has been kind of uh, damaged because most lobbying is done for negative reasons. You know, yeah. you see like the oil industry or you see the f- commercial food industry lobbying for things that make us unhealthy. But if we take that same lobbying approach where you're going up to a company and proposing something to try and change how they're doing things and you come armed with the data of this is how we're treating people. This is how effective it's being. This is where at the end of the day, you being prepared means going to that company and knowing what their motivation is. Okay, what's the insurance company's motivation? They want to make money. They want to collect more premiums than they dispense. That's right. So if you can relate to that and say, listen, you're giving away let's call it 500 bucks a year for orthotics. This is what orthotics are doing to people's bodies long-term. This is the way that we're approaching things. The shoes people wear on a day-to-day basis have the single biggest effect on the health of their feet, specifically localized at the foot. If someone took that $500 and they were given, instead of 500, it's 400. So you automatically make a hundred more bucks because you're uh, having to pay out less, right? And you're collecting the same premiums. 400 bucks a year. You spend 200 bucks of that on a good pair of natural shoes. Here's the value of natural footwear and how it affects people long-term. If people are wearing your shoes, it's automatically helping them a lot. You know what? So a lot of people are like, they're covered for orthopedic footwear, yeah. but that's like truly custom footwear or footwear modifications. That, that could just be like, for a lot of people, not, again, some people do need 
your orthopedic footwear, like if you have club foot, for example, yeah. yes, you probably do need a custom custom shoe. But for most people, there are they're still covered for it. Like if you could use that for a we pair of min- minimal footwear, we already are because yeah. orthopedic footwear. What is you know? I have literally, I have this piece of paper. This is the Charter of Customs and Duty Tariffs for Canada. It's it's a friggin' massive legal document. But I basically looked up. Um, you know, right now the Canadian government charges a 20% tariff, 20, 25% tariff on footwear coming into the, to the country. The one caveat to that and exception they make is for orthopedic footwear. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I want to see what orthopedic footwear is considered because we've tried this. We've, we've essentially, um, categorized minimal footwear as orthopedic footwear because it helps. If you look up orthopedic, it just says, uh, basically a piece of equipment that's trying to offset some sort of physical dysfunction or deformity. So if we look at most footwear is narrow, deforms the feet, makes them narrow, scrunched up. Um, and natural shoes allow your foot to splay out. It, it is counteracting that deformity. So we put it under orthopedic footwear. And as long as you can explain it and, and get the ear of someone that's making decisions, they are they understand it. Um, and orthopedic footwear says uh, includes footwear designed to correct orthopedic conditions. Right? Like your foot being plantar fasciitis is an orthopedic condition. It's yeah. a musculoskeletal condition. Uh, Mortensen aroma, orthopedic bunions is an oh, orthopedic yes. condition. Yeah. If you get out of a pointed shoe and let the toes splay, it will help correct bunions. Like this is a, so, so I think that's a big thing. And, and back to this insurance thing. Okay. 400 bucks a year. They spend 200 bucks on a shoe, spend a hundred bucks on an assessment. And then they spend another hundred bucks on two follow-ups that year. Yeah. So that's 400 bucks. Here's the thing. From then on, they only need to buy a nice <laughs> pair of shoes per year. They don't even that, need the other stuff. That person, yeah. And if you educate them and kind of help them to understand their body better, they're probably not going to have to come back and use that other 200 bucks exactly. on that person anymore. Just exactly. the footwear. Everyone will always take the footwear. <laughs> yeah. But they might not have to come back and see you every year, right? Exactly. And, and so. everyone has to buy shoes. Everyone has to yeah. wear shoes. So you may as well make sure that they're at least going to someone that knows. Like instead of going to a 15-year-old kid trying to make money in high school by selling shoes and telling you what shoe you need to wear, maybe you should go to an adult that has experience and understands the body and maybe they should be helping you understand what shoes you should buy exactly. right like maybe it's they buy a 200 dollars shoe and it's 100 bucks just for a follow-up to understand okay you're on the right track or these are things you need to do that's 300 dollars a year instead of 500 and that's also long-term health instead yep. of constant reliance on this external support that really doesn't give any long-term positive results right like it can yep. give short-term symptom relief but this is not congruent with long-term and that's the thing it's just just chasing symptoms yeah, and I, it's changing though. Like, do you see, so with your coworkers or people that you, um, in the pedorthics world, do you see a change happening? Do you, are they resilient to it? <laughs> You're laughing. Yeah, I, I am because the answer is no, <laughs> or at least I haven't really encountered any. Uh, like I was telling you before, like there, there's several clinics or uh, clinicians that work for my company and I'm, I'm the black sheep. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I don't even know if it's safe to be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, just I don't dare it if it's yeah, that dangerous. Yeah. No, no, but... no, I'm just kidding. But yeah. Uh, I, I hope there's more out there like me because like, again, you just, you just gotta be open-minded to it. And yeah. like, like how I started off, I was like, just close off to There's no way, no way. You know, that's yeah. not, that's completely against everything we're taught in school. But if you're open-minded to it, do your own research, tr- try it on yourself. Yeah. Self-experiment. I don't yourself. think you're asking anyone to do anything yeah. extreme. This is just no. logical decision-making. Yeah. Sorry. That's too much to ask for. Yeah. No, I, I, I hope there's more pedorthists that are, are going to have the same approach as us yep. because it is the the most effective way to, to treat the foot cool yeah and i mean so andy bryant uh is an australia he's one of the in the first group of foot nerds he's an australian pedorthist who has been shifting the way that he's approaching feet uh and i he came to the melbourne seminar and was i kind of got the vibe that he's like i knew this was the way we needed to do it i just 
it almost felt like he needed to hear other people talk about it in the same way to be like, yeah, yeah I need to just do this. And he's shifting his practice. He's already kind of gotten out of traditional pedorthic practice into something that's uh, it's called the Urban Health Collective. And basically, it's just health professionals that are from different worlds, like the world of nutrition, I believe, psychology. I think I could be getting this wrong. But they all came together and basically created like this group of people that are doing things differently from the way their traditional professions are doing it, but for the sake of doing it a better way. And I think sometimes the black sheep are the ones that all the other sheep end up looking to, to be like, maybe that, maybe there's something there. So, you know, it's always the kind of thing where in the short term you might get shunned. And, you yeah. know, I think the Footner program is there to support people in making these changes. Big time. So one thing I was really nervous about too was kind of adapting this new approach is I don't really have a whole lot of training in it. So how do I continue to progress someone yeah. uh, or, or regress movements if, if need be? So that's kind of where like, strength and conditioning background came in yeah for um, sure. a lot of the stuff that i've been applying in clinic is again not stuff i learned in pedorthic school but yeah. from stuff that I've, I've i follow a lot of strength coaches that are also physio background uh like tim DiFrancesco. yeah uh, and you're physical like you move you yeah. play sports you you have a body you have all the tools you need to learn and get better by just working on yourself that's right and your friends and your family and um so footner yeah. program was kind of like another way to guide me down that path and I, I'm, I'm really happy yeah, I got into it. It's exactly what I was looking for. Like I was telling cool. you before, I was like, I wanted to further my education somehow. Yeah. Um, and then when you guys came up with this, like, perfect. Exactly what I was looking for. Cool. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing where it, it's really, I, I, it's called the foot nerd program, but I think eventually we're going to have to change the name because it's really just like trying to create a, a platform of current health education that is that gives people value. Because the, the reality is that if you go through med school and you spend four years and if you're in the States gobbles of money that you're going to be paying off for a long time. Do you actually leave being able to help people get better? Do you actually leave with a health education or do you leave with, um, you know, an education on what drugs to give, what drugs not to give and of how to get people through a clinic so that you can see as many people as possible without an actual focus on health. And I think I know what I spent on physio school, how much time it took, what I learned, what was, what I came away with that was effective that I used today. It's very little. And so how do create, how do we create this, online-based education system that is its own living organism that eventually is not coming from it's not it's not unidirectional teaching it's not a group of people that think they know everything or teaching everyone else it's everyone is teaching each other yeah everyone is communicating in this big community and you know i think well, even even in the current program you have physios chiros yeah but or this you have a physician yeah. like uh, raul yeah. is a physician there's an orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon that's probably going to be in the next batch like there's you get this massive mixture of people that all are on the same kind of wavelength in terms of how they're thinking. And I think an important thing will be making sure that there's people that are in the program that are are there to, to almost like challenge the way of thinking. Like people that come in that are like, mm, I don't know if this is the way to do it and challenge it because you don't want to turn into a think tank. But I think if you have smart people and we have really smart, really motivated people that want to help people, uh, that, that want to help others, you know, the, the goal the role of the program is to facilitate communication among the community and also support individual people. If there's a pedorthist that's like, I'm stuck in a practice. I don't really agree with how they're doing it. 
the Fortnite program is there to help people achieve and, and kind of work the way that they know is effective and give the, give the full support of everyone else to try and help that person get there, whether it's on the, the business side of just understanding, okay, these are things you need to do to run a business. This is how you run a business. Um, you know, all the little nuances, like it's a community of people. Everyone's going to have like a small, unique skill set. But if we combine all those skill sets together, number one, it makes the program better in terms of evolving the curriculum. But it also gives you resources that you have this connection with, right? Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, I'm just stoked that you're part of it, that you're in Ottawa. And I think we're going to be able to do a lot of work locally in Ottawa with, you know, this new place in Hintonburg is going to be a place where every physical TFC location will be, will be able, will sell footwear, right. That we agree with that resonates with our philosophy when it comes to footwear. But the focal part is a learning, a place of learning. Like you, you go there to learn about your feet and on your way, you pick something to cover your feet with. But that's the that's the focus perspective, right? It's not you go there to buy shoes. You go there to learn how your body works. And I think having a resident foot nerd at every single bricks and mortar location that can essentially pick how they want to treat. If you want to see people for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours, it's totally up to you. And having this very transparent approach of this is how much money is getting made per visit. This is where all the money is going. It is not going. The only reason money would go to TFC is to give it fuel to continue to reach more people. Um, and I think... It makes it harder to grow exponentially without having investors that that can in, inject a huge amount of money to make you kind of get really really big but it also if you're patient and you know what your goal is and you have people that share the similar mindset you don't need investors that you have to hustle to pay back you just make sure that you make everything very transparent to everyone so that everyone's like i understand what the common goal is i understand there's not someone pocketing huge gobs of money off of the work i'm doing um, and I think that transparency is going to, this is going to be the gold standard moving forward for companies and corporations, because if you don't do that, no one's going to buy your shit. Yeah. No one's going to work for you. No one's going to be happy working for you, right? Like the sense, having this sense of purpose and sec- sense of connectedness with the people you work for or work with. If you don't have that in the next, in 20 years, you're not going to succeed. You're going to yeah. die. It's the, that sense of working with someone rather than yes. working for them. Exactly. And I always tell people like, that's how I word it. I, I, when you're, Anyone that gets in the footnote program, we now are on equal par. We now learn from each other. There's no seniority. There's no hierarchy. There's people that play different roles. Right? There's always going to be certain people that lead, certain people that do specific roles. But it is not a hierarchy where this person is more important than you. They just have a different skill set that we're going to try and use to accomplish the same mutual goal. Um, so I'm super excited to see kind of where this thing goes, where we go in Ottawa. Thank you for taking the time to come out here and do the podcast. I think... Um, you know, you being in Ottawa, why don't we just do one of these every six months or, yeah, or maybe more frequent? And, yeah. and, you know, like any, anything that comes to mind, jot it down in a note, because what you're like, you are essentially at the very start of your journey as a podorthist to changing how you practice and navigating these waters that are basically uncharted. Right. Yep. And I think your perspective as someone that's currently the black sheep in an industry that is, that needs to change. And if it doesn't, it's going to get replaced. Same thing with physio like personal trainers are replacing physios because they're actually doing real effective shit. Yep. So it, I think you will serve as a very powerful role model to help other podorcists be able to not have the fear of taking that first step. And if the foot nerve program uh, is an area that can, that can be of help to these, to, to these practitioners to um, give them the confidence that this is the right way of doing things and, and know that we're all discovering the right way of doing things together. And that changes. One thing I said to someone the other day is like, if you're never wrong, you're never learning. 
because learning means you were wrong at some point. The way you used to do something is no longer the best way of doing it. And so not being afraid of admitting that you were doing something wrong or suboptimally, let's call it, is what allows you to discover the better ways of doing things continuously. Yeah. Right. And I think that's important. Um, yeah, so. it's just like, like like you said, suboptimally. Like what I was doing before is like, yeah, I was still helping people get out of pain. Yeah, but now I'm doing a better job at it. Exactly, you can yeah. help people more yeah. and be more impactful long term. And and here's the beautiful thing about education: when you treat someone through education, you t- instead of giving someone something that reduces their pain, you teach them why they have the pain in the first place. If they can truly understand it, which is the only way that they can improve long term, they will help others. They will yeah. help their aunt. They will help their mom and be like, mom, the shoes are, are like, I now understand why my feet were messed up. The reason we both have bunions is not because we have the same jeans. It's because we wear the same <laughs> shitty shoes. You know, I, I still have this argument with my mom all the time. Uh, me too. I see my mom wearing <laughs> shoes indoors and now I'm just like, oh man. Uh, some, it's but, a, but she, because like, because her mom told her that she should always have footwear on her feet inside. Yeah. That's it. Game over. Not, not, it doesn't matter what I have to say. I didn't go to school for any of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't do this every yeah. day. Yeah. The, the family is the hardest. Are the hardest. I, I, I gave up. I just gave up. Yeah. That's okay. I haven't that's given up, but I've, I've also tried to be less annoying and be the person that's always chirping people on their footwear. It's just planting little seeds. Being like, did you know that this is, you know, did you know that shoes do this to your feet? Like subtle seeds where you're not that annoying person saying, why are you still wearing those shoes? Yeah. It's like, I'm only telling you this because if I had spinach in my teeth, I'd want you to tell me right? Yeah. I'm only telling you this because I give uh, a shit about you. I don't care if you do it or not. I don't want to be annoying, but here's, here's the real, here's the reality of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. If you're a Bordorthus out there or you're a health professional, please don't be afraid of changing the way you do things. We're not saying we know everything, but this clearly, uh, to us, this is clearly a better way of helping people improve their health way beyond just the area they're having symptoms. And, uh, and yeah, we'll catch you next time.